Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate Trinity Sunday, the divine majesty of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, co-eternal, co-equal in majesty, glory, and power, not three gods as we have been falsely accused on numerous occasions, one God. And St. Paul teaches us very clearly that the natural man cannot accept these things. They cannot accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned, as St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It is one thing to know something. It is a possession of information. You can know something and completely not believe it, much like what we would say uh, we believe about evolution, right? We know what they teach about the creation of the world and how it came into existence through a big bang and over billions and trillions in years. And yet we may know this information and yet not believe it ourselves. We have faith in the seventh day creation, or six days and God resting on the seventh. We can know something and not believe it, much like what the atheists may say, we know the Bible. In fact, we can use it against you Christians. And they don't believe a word of it. Well, there are plenty of mysteries in the scriptures, things that cannot be fathomed or known by our earthly reason or understanding. And these things which we find in the Bible, some people are afraid to speak of them. They're afraid to talk about them because they are beyond reason. They require faith. And God so graciously gives to us that faith. But because they are beyond understanding, people are afraid to engage them. But this should not be so among Christians. Just because they are beyond reason and understanding does not mean that they are beyond faith. In fact, these mysteries of God belong to faith. Faith is what receives your baptism. Faith is what receives the word of God. Faith is what receives the blessed gift of the Lord's body and blood in the altar. If they are written in the Bible, these words, these mysteries, they are because God wants you to know them. God has revealed them to you so that you may have confidence, trust in the Lord. That you may endure these long days here on earth. The Lord is telling you, think on these things. Learn these things. Do not pick up the Bible and say, this is too hard. But pray to the Lord for the spirit of wisdom and understanding. God doesn't ask you to try to figure him out. Or to understand him, though he's really not that hard to understand. He created because he loves. Sin ruined that love. God redeems. God buys back in Christ. That is the love of God. That is eternal life. Not that hard. Not that complicated. But there are things that we will read that without faith we would be surely disappointed in. How can water do such great things? Surely it's not just water, but the word of God in and with the water that does these things. We believe in something greater than what we see. 
God gives faith which sees the miracles of the Lord. But in order for this to happen, God must put to death the tyranny of our reason. He must make it subject to who he is and who he has revealed himself to be. God must give to us new hearts and new minds. That is how we will receive the Lord. Consider Nicodemus. He comes to Christ our Lord in the middle of the night because he is afraid. He's afraid of what the other Pharisees might think of his confession of Jesus. And in fact, he was still trying to figure it all out himself. He was trying to understand what didn't make sense. He comes confessing that Jesus is Emmanuel. God with him, right? God with us. That is what Nicodemus says. You couldn't do any of these things that you are doing unless God was with you. And yet, while confessing that Jesus is Emmanuel, he cannot believe that he is the Messiah. He refuses to worship him as God because he is man. Yet, this is what must happen. God must turn the heart of Nicodemus to worship him must give to him the blessed faith to receive him as both God and Lord, this Savior, Jesus Christ, who is God and man. Nicodemus could not yet see it. He could not yet see by faith that Jesus was coming to bring salvation to the world through the cross. No one can see God. The only begotten Son who himself is God, he has made him known. This is what we must confess. Just as we said in the Athanasian Creed, it's made up of two parts. The first describes, according to Scripture, the mystery of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the second part of that creed confesses the incarnation of Jesus, the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity. There can be no faith in the first part of the creed apart from the faith In the second part of the creed. You must have both. The incarnation of Jesus. The second person of the Trinity. That is necessary to understanding the Trinity. For it is by this. The Son of God. That the Father and the Holy Spirit are made known to us. From this the whole Christian church on earth learns the love of God. Which is that the Father gives unto us a Son who is a redeemer of the world, the redeemer of the world. And God gives himself into death so that every sinner that believes in him should have eternal life. And eternal life is this, to know God. But you know God through the Son, for it is Christ Jesus who makes the Father known to you. And the Spirit is the promise of the Son from the Father to be given to you, as we celebrated this past Sunday on Pentecost. And the Spirit of God makes known to you the Son who is the way to the Father. This is where we find beyond all reason the peace which God gives us to rest. For we consider ourselves in this life. We consider the mysteries of God and we worship him. And as we grow in wisdom and understanding of the scriptures by this Spirit of God, We start to lose hold of those petty attachments that we have to this world. They begin to dissolve and our heart doesn't desire them as much for we desire to dwell in the courts of the Lord forever. To be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in tents of wickedness. 
and our hearts begin to ever be towards the Lord as he embraces us in his arms. Jesus didn't sugarcoat things for Nicodemus. He said the truth, for he needed to hear the truth as we need to hear the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. By saying this, Jesus teaches that you cannot even begin to believe in the kingdom of God, have entrance into the kingdom, be saved, or go to heaven, unless you are born from above. Nicodemus possessed the knowledge of what Jesus was doing. Nicodemus surely possessed the knowledge of the Old Testament, but he could not reason them together. They were fighting against one another. Jesus and the Old Testament. He needed God to remake his heart and mind altogether, just as we see Jesus doing to the disciples, where he opens scripture to them, beginning with Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, and he shows them how it is all about him. Every human being needs God to do that. Of course, A daft person will see that logically what Jesus says falls very short. I mean, really, could you receive this teaching that Jesus says that you have to be born again if you did not have faith? To be born from above or again? No. By human reason, it works out to something ridiculous, like a camel going through the eye of a needle. It has to be crushed and flattened, made so small And put into that tiny womb just as my 9 pound 21 inch long body did 31 years ago. It doesn't make sense. You can't figure that out. But that's the point. Jesus' point is that if all Nicodemus perceives from the teachings and the miracles of Jesus is that he is just a mere man with whom God shows favor then he will never receive the sacrifice which Jesus comes to bring. That Nicodemus will never see that God dies for him on the cross. He will never come to receive the forgiveness of his sins through the blood of the atonement of Christ. If he cannot receive Jesus now as the Messiah who is God in the flesh, he will surely not receive the Jesus that is as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, the Son of Man lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. They go together. They always go together. Jesus is Emmanuel because he is God who walked among us, and he is the God who visited his people to redeem them. Jesus is not a man whom God the Father gave permission to share in his divinity, He is begotten of the Father before all worlds, the God of God, light of light. He is God from the essence of the Father, begotten before time. And he is human from the essence of his mother, born in time. Completely God, completely human with a rational soul and a human flesh. This is a mystery. One meant to be spoken. One meant to be confessed but not explained beyond what Scripture has given us to say. Just as it was for Nicodemus that night, who learned that what the Old Testament had foretold was being fulfilled now in this, the person of Jesus Christ.
With Jesus came the baptism into his death and a resurrection. And with this very baptism of water came the forgiveness of sins and the blessed gift of the Holy Spirit, as we just confessed last Sunday. Man is not capable of accepting that. Not capable of accepting this teaching of God because it defies our natural reason. Because it belongs to faith. When Jesus sees that Nicodemus is unwilling to receive these words of being born again, he makes it clear. He teaches him about God's gift of baptism. Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He ties us to a concrete thing, the baptism of the Lord. In order for Nicodemus to realize this truth, that he must subject himself to God as he reveals himself, as God invites people, Jesus humbles him so that he sees what little he has even come to understand about the physical things, as he did not know where the wind comes from or where it goes. God humbles us so that we might understand the awe and the majesty of God and his mercy upon his creation to save them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, this is God's mercy, that he does not send the Son to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. But we must be turned to the Son. Nicodemus must submit to the authority of God and to the word of God, or else he will never enter the kingdom of God. The book of James says it like this, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This supports the profound teaching of the church that not even faith is our work. Man's trust in God is God's work. What God requires for us in order that we believe and receive his teaching, God also provides. By his own will, he brings us forth by the word of truth. It is by that word that he creates faith in our hearts to receive him and believe in his son, Jesus Christ. So often we recite from Ephesians chapter 2 such a similar word. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Faith is what brings brings us together. Faith is what unites us, not a faith in this or that, but a concrete faith in the word of God, a unity and harmony in the doctrine that has been given to us. At the end, when all the world's projects, when all the world's governments and cities and sports teams have been dissolved, the only thing that will stand to unify people on earth will be the faith that God gives in himself and those who do not believe it. There will only be two groups. Faith is what brings Christ to us, and faith in Christ is what opens heaven to us, because we are baptized into Jesus's death, and we also believe that if we died with him, we shall certainly rise with him and inherit eternal life. That is what unites us. 
All that you and I have ever hoped for as Christians comes not from our own work, but from the work of Jesus and that work which we have received in faith. Nothing of our own. Just as it was necessary for Jesus to humble Nicodemus, it is also necessary that Jesus humbles us. We need to see the corruption of our hearts and our minds so that we do not try to create our own unity, but that we receive the unity of the Godhead. That we see the work that God does to restore fallen man to himself, reconciling the world to himself in the work of the Son. For it is only by the blood and righteousness of Jesus that heaven has become open to you and to me. Consider Isaiah. When he was taken up into the temple of God and he heard the angels praising and worshiping God saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. He was terrified. He did not want to be there because he knew that he did not belong there. You didn't hear him boast of any of the works he had done. You didn't try to hear him say, let me unify myself with the Godhead. The only thing he saw clearly in that moment was the corruption of his heart and the glory of God. He said, I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He was pleading for the mercy of God. And there came an angel who took from the altar a burning coal and he touched Isaiah's lips and said, Your guilt is taken away, your sins atoned for. God doesn't let us rely on our own works to save us. He does not let us rely on our own reason or understanding. He puts them to death so that we might be raised to new life in Jesus Christ. So that having the atonement for all of our sins, we may leave our uncleanliness behind and be clothed in the holy white robes of Jesus. That is why we are gathered in the church today. For we have died with Christ and we have risen with him in our baptism. We have been given new hearts and minds to worship God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To come into his church to be united together in the one Christian faith, to be united around the altar of our Lord and to receive the blessed gift of his body and blood for the forgiveness of all our sins. We should give thanks to God. We should think about all of his works that he has done and all of the riches and the majesty and the depths of his counsel and his works are far beyond our comprehension even more than John tells us could be ever written in any of the books. And yet those which have been written for us are so that we might study them and learn from them and grow in the one Christian faith, having the unity and hearts sewn together by the Lord. Let us always confess what God has done to save us, his people, and give us new life here and into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.